Hey, welcome to church, everybody. My name is Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. Uh, special welcome to you, those of you who are in the ministry center right now and uh, tuning in online. Uh, I think my sister is in Eston, Saskatchewan, and she's watching right now, so... Hi, Holly. Nice to see you. Uh, this is a gift of technology these days. Uh, special shout out to you if you're here to make mom happy, all right? Uh, I know that's, uh, that's a part of this uh, reality. And so if that's you, uh, thank you for being here uh, and coming to church this weekend. We uh, have been exploring the songs of Christmas this season. Uh, the medley at the beginning, the nostalgia of the camcorders. Uh, welcome to like our living room circa, I don't know when this is, 70s. Uh, and so we just know that Christmas is this great time where you get the good and the bad of the Christmas tunes. Uh, for us and our family, uh, after Remembrance Day, it's a green light on Christmas. Now, that may be too early for some of you, but for us, we have been immersed in this uh, reality of Christmas songs for a long time, hearing the good and the bad. Uh, Rolling Stone, the publication this week, came out with the 20 worst Christmas songs of all time this week, and I'll spare you all 19 of them, but the worst one was the Little Drummer Boy rendition by Ashley and Jessica Simpson. Folks, it sounds bad, and it's worse than bad. It's absolutely worse than bad. Uh, my least favorite Christmas carol of all time uh, is uh, Santa Looked a Lot Like Daddy. It's just, it's just awkward. Like, no need. There's no need for any of that. But along with the worst, you actually get the best, the best of the Christmas tunes. My favorite Christmas carol of all time is Oh Holy Night. I love the lyrics. I love the, the, the music. But I also love the history of the song. 115 years ago, today, Christmas Eve, 1906, there was a 33-year-old professor named Reginald Fessenden, he was located in Brant Rock, Massachusetts. And for the first time in history, the radio airwaves were broken. And the first words ever spoken on the radio were from Luke chapter 2. And there came a decree that all, from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be taxed. The first words ever spoken on the radio. After the recitation of Luke chapter 2, Fessenden picked up his violin and played O Holy Night. The first song ever played on the radio, My Favorite Christmas Carol. These songs have an amazing way of bringing us back, of making us think about different things and different times uh, in our lives. And so these songs are amazing. The Michael Bublé's contested area of Mariah Carey, not sure where you're at on that spectrum, uh, but all of these songs have a great way of bringing us back. And so what we've been doing as a church, we've just been listening to the original songs, if you will, the original songs of the Christmas story in the scriptures. And I want to lead you back to one in Luke chapter 2, the same text that Fessenden broke the radio airwaves with. And here is the song from the angels. It said, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, a heavenly host. There's thousands of them. And here's their song. It's short, it's sweet, but folks, it is punchy. Here it is. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's two ideas. These uh, heavenly messages messengers come and bring the earth the significance, the meaning of the birth of Jesus Christ. There's two ideas. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory to God. There is this vertical praise. Glory is a churchy word for praise. Fame be unto God for sending Jesus for this miraculous birth, for writing himself in to human history. 
Praise be to God. And then peace on earth on those on whom his favor rests. That peace can come through this child, that he's a different child, that there can be peace experienced by those who trust in the name of Jesus. This song sung by the angels to these shepherds, the normal people, changed everything about their lives. They heard this song, they listened to this song, and it changed everything about their lives. They were in awe of this moment, and it leads to change. This song, the Christmas season, is all about Jesus. He's a hero of the song, and he's a hero of this season. And this Jesus song that the angels sing changed these shepherds. And I want to to give you three ways how this song changes the shepherds, this Jesus song. The first thing is that Jesus invites investigation. Jesus invites investigation. These shepherds, blue-collar dudes, out in the fields, hear this song. It says in verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Their reaction is, let's go. These are the words of the athlete after they score a goal or score a touchdown. They're always saying, let's go. And this is the excitement of the shepherds. They want to go investigate. The song of Jesus invites their investigation. And so it does for you this evening. It invites investigation. You know, Christmas, it gives you all the feels, doesn't it? It's tonight, it's Christmas Eve, it's all the feels, it's the, it's the family, it's the baking, it's the tunes, it's all that sort of stuff. And then you guys come, and I'm so glad you're here, and you come and you sprinkle kind of the magic fairy dust of Christmas Eve church on it, all right? Puts the bow on it, it's just amazing, it feels good, you go home, you, whatever. But we forget that this moment, The birth of Jesus Christ was a historical moment that invites your investigation and your time and your attention, not just on Christmas Eve, but what I would argue, for the rest of your life. Because if this happened, things change, and it changed for these shepherds, that Jesus invites your investigation like he did with these shepherds. And the question is, so in 2021, is it still reasonable to believe that Jesus is who he says he is? To the modern mind, maybe not. There's a lot of reasons why you may uh, be distracted by it. You may not like this message. So in this time, is is there reason to believe that Jesus is a person, that he did live? In 2015, there was a study done in UK, and the questions, the question in the study, in the questionnaire survey was, was Jesus of Nazareth a real person? 40% of the respondents said no, or they weren't sure. Is it naive to believe that this actually happened? There's a lot of people, maybe you, who'd say, "Ah, I don't think he is worthy of my investigation. We live in a fact-checker world. You go online, you go on social media, you go on Twitter, there's claims, and then they are fact-checked. Is it fake news? The fact-checkers who would go in and investigate, is Jesus of Nazareth the real person? Did he walk in the first century? Did he die on a Roman cross? The fact-checkers would come back and say, yeah, he actually did. You're going to get a liberal, agnostic, New Testament scholar out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. His name is Bart Ehrman. He does not believe that Jesus of Nazareth is who he says he was in the pages of Scripture. But he does say this. The reality is that whatever else you may think about Jesus, he certainly did exist. He certainly did exist. That God, if this is true, wrote himself into the pages of human history, and he exists, and he is worthy of your investigation. Let's go Let's, let's go. 
And this changes everything. If Jesus is who he says he is, he starts to teach and preach and do ministry and die. And the Christian faith would say he rose again on the third day. And he starts to talk about reality and about life and about the big questions that you ask. What does it mean to be a human being? Is there any purpose to this? What about suffering? What about the end? What about all of these things that Jesus of Nazareth invites your investigation because of his coming to earth? What is the good life? What is the purpose of this? So the question is not, did this happen? The question is maybe, what does it mean for you? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for you to take the next step and invite and investigate Jesus? You know, it's interesting that these angels sing this song and the scriptures say in Luke chapter 2 that they're terrified, absolutely terrified of this song and what has just happened to them. So your investigation may require that you have to push against some of your fear. What fears do you hold about Jesus? What fears do you hold about maybe what he may be asking you to do? See, the shepherds push past their fear and go and see. I love that you're here tonight. For any reason, I'm just so glad that you're here. And I want to ask why. It may be because mom dragged you, but I also think that there's a divine curiosity. A divine curiosity in this of who is Jesus? Our world is haunted by him and his teachings, and his ethics, and his example. And maybe, maybe this may be the Christmas Eve where you go past just a Christmas Eve to investigate more. And this is the angel song that changes these shepherds' lives, that Jesus invites your investigation. Also, secondly, Jesus gives unending joy. That's the second way that these shepherds are transformed. Let me show you. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. If you're a parent, you know those sacred hours after the birth of a child. The awe of having this little one that you've waited for so long finally here. Skin to skin, the feeding starts to work. All of these amazing moments. These shepherds invited to investigate go and they interrupt that moment. And they see Jesus and Mary and Joseph and something clicks, something changes. And they realize they are in the presence of something and someone better and greater. Their investigation leads to an experience of seeing beholding Jesus in a smelly, stinky cave or barn. We're not sure. Their investigation leads to an experience. And then it goes on, and it says this. This experience, verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This experience makes these shepherds go and tell. They are telling everybody about what they have seen and what they have heard in that barn. They tell everybody. And this is the natural inclination of every single human being when they come into contact with something amazing. The Wharton School of Business did an analysis of the most shared, liked, and emailed New York Times articles. 
what the Wharton School of Business came to conclude was that the most shared articles in the New York Times, like shared, all that sort of stuff, emailed to other people, were the articles that had to do with something grand, something awe-inspiring, a sunset, a natural feat of strength, something that was amazing. People wanted to know, and it's in your heart as well, that when you experience something amazing, you want everybody to know about it. And these shepherds experiencing, seeing Jesus start to tell. My question is, why? Why did they tell? Two things. The first reason they started to tell was because when they saw that baby, they realized that they were in the presence of something bigger than them. Bigger than them. These grown men, seeing a baby, realized that they were in the presence of something bigger than them. In March uh, and April of 2016, uh, Psychology Today released an article, and the whole article was exploring this human desire, this is existential desire for awe, for wonder. And they entitled the article, it's funny, they entitled the article, It's Not About You. And in the article, they quote University of Pennsylvania researchers who define awe and wonder as the emotion of self-transcendence, a feeling of admiration and elevation, listen, in the face of something greater than the self. These shepherds see this baby, and they realize this is a different baby. Later on in this article, a popular theoretical physicist said being enraptured or being in awe is a way to remove the tyranny of the ego. That these shepherds realize that Jesus is different. They are in the presence of something greater, awe-inspiring. And they remove the tyranny of the ego. I love the Christmas story, but here's what the Christmas story reminds you you and I of this evening, is that he is the hero of the story. That he is the hero, if he is who he says he is, of history. That Christmas is a story where you are not the hero. Oxford Dawn, Tudor teacher and author C.S. Lewis says this. Think about this paradox. Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. The reason why they had joy, the reason why these shepherds told was because they realized that something was bigger than them. The second reason was because not only was it bigger, but Jesus was better than they ever could have imagined. And that's why they started to tell people, This happened to you when you see a great hockey game, a great football game. Did you see the game? This happens to you when you see a great sunset when you're camping. You should have been there. This happened to me 10 years ago in Santa Cruz, California. I was uh, speaking at an engagement down there uh, for a week. About halfway, three-quarters of the way through my week, somebody told me that there was an ice cream shop on the campus of this huge camp that I was at. I'm like, bro, why did you tell me earlier? I would have been there. So, like any smart human being, I go. And I attend. I go to this coffee shop, and I say to the person behind the, whatever, desk, till thing, I ask them, what would you recommend to me? And this person says, have you ever had 1028? I see, I don't even really want to tell you this, because this is like coming in on a secret. But I will. There's only a few of you here, only online on the internet, so only a few of you will hear about this. But here's, here's what this person, this is funny. You can laugh. This is a joke. So, so they, they, they say, this person says to me, have you ever had 1020 ice cream? Marianne's 1020? I was like, no. They were like, okay, get, get ready. They said, okay, well, what is it? It's ice, it's caramel ice cream with chocolate swirl and chocolate chip cookies in it. 
And I said, yeah, I'll have one of those in a waffle cone and two scoops. And they gave it to me. And I'm telling you, it changed my life. It changed my life. But the problem was, it was a race against the clock at that point, because I was leaving in a few days. And so I would be there when it opened and when it closed, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I would have a waffle cone with two scoops of 1020 ice cream. And then it was a race against the Californian sun when I got it, because I was lapping it off my fingers, off the concrete, trying to get as much as I possibly could in my mouth. It was amazing. It was so amazing that 10 years later, I'm screaming at you, telling you how amazing it actually was. Why? Because it was better than I could have ever imagined. And these shepherds start to tell because of the joy that they received when they saw Jesus. Bigger than themselves and better than they could have ever imagined. And this is the truth of the Christmas story They heard the message of the angel before the multitude comes. This is good news of great joy for all the people. And so the Christmas message says to you this evening that this Jesus is about joy. He is the joy bringer. The third way that this song, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, unto whom his favor rests, that this third thing uh, changes The first one is that Jesus invites your investigation. The second is that Jesus gives an ending joy. The third is that these shepherds sing a new song. In verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which is just had they have been told. These shepherds, lowly, blue-collar, normal dudes, start to sing with the same excitement that the angels did. They go from investigation to experience to telling and now singing. And how do you get blue-collar dudes to sing? Doesn't happen often, does it? Some of you, I know how blue-collar dudes sing. It's a little Alan Jackson. It's a little open tailgate. It's a case of beer. That's how blue-collar dudes sing. But these guys don't have any Alan Jackson. They have nothing of that. All they have is this song. Beholding the baby gets these men to sing. Glorifying and praising God. The excitement of the angels becomes their excitement. And they are invited to sing a new song. As you are this evening, you're invited in to sing a new song. And I don't know if you've been living under a rock the last 20 months or so, but we need a new song to sing. I need a new song to sing. You guys are coming in here like zombies dragging yourself in. And like we're all living through this pandemic and there's variants and there's an unending mess. You poor people like me. We need a new song to sing. I heard of a Christmas party that happened the last few days, and you may want to adopt this over your Christmas break. They had a strict ABC rule, anything but COVID. (laughs) Anything but COVID, all right? You can talk about anything but COVID. Because here we are in the middle of all of the bad news, all of the cycle, all of the updates, all of the restrictions, another technical briefing, another variant, and here we are needing a new and better song. And Christmas reminds us that God has done something in history by sending Jesus so you could experience awe, wonder, joy, and peace 
All of the things that your heart wants is found in the Christmas story. And this is such good news. This is such good news. And so this Christmas, I want you to know, I want you to know that you're invited into the choir to sing this new song. But the song is about Jesus and it is about his story. The God who has come in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is yours. And let me tell you this. Even if you don't believe this here tonight, I'm glad you're here. What I'd want to say to you is you want this to be true. You want this to be true because this is the message given to humanity. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Man, there's peace for you through this baby. So uh, my voice is going hoarse. I got all of these things going on. Uh, But here's what I would say to you is I got the best job on Christmas Eve. I got the best job on Christmas Eve because I get to declare to you that there's a better song to sing and you're invited to sing it. But it's also challenging. Because at the same time that that's true, it is also equally true that all of these things don't come on your terms. It doesn't come for free. To the modern person, it's like, what? No, like, everything is on my terms. But this message isn't on your terms. Love, joy, peace, hope, awe, wonder, glory is all yours. But, but, like the shepherds, some of you have to push past your fear. What is holding you back? Is it the fear of what your friends would think? Is it the fear of what your family would think? Is it the fear of what it may mean if Jesus is who he says he is and the Christmas story and the Christian story is true of Jesus? Are you scared of what that may mean for your life? I love that I get to tell you about hope, joy, love, peace, all wonder, glory. It's not on your terms, though. Because like the shepherds, It took an act of humility for them to go. It takes an act of humility to see the baby and say, oh, hold on, wait a second. Jesus may be bigger than me, and he may be better than I could have ever imagined. So this whole Christmas story is a whole dose, a whole piece of humble pie. Because the Christmas story demands that you say, there is something about Jesus that I need to listen to, to pay attention to, to investigate. I love that I get to tell you about hope, joy, peace, love, a new song, all the things, but it's not on your terms. Because like the shepherds, like the shepherds, they don't just listen or hear the song, they actually have to listen to it. And here we are, right? We know all the words to all the songs. You hear them on repeat all of the time. But there is a difference between hearing and listening. And the shepherds listen to the song of the angels. They investigate the experience they tell, and then they sing. I have kids, small kids. So believe me, there is a difference between hearing and listening. (laughs) They hear a lot. They don't listen very well. But the Christmas story demands, it's not on your terms, that you actually listen to the songs. We actually have to listen to the song, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. This is a message of good news, of great joy for all the people. And these songs of Christmas we hear all the time. Have you listened to them? 
or do you just hear them? Being the father of three amazing kids who are sitting in the front row, I know that there is a difference between listening and hearing, or hearing and listening, I should say. And this is the opportunity where we want to invite you into a moment, a beautiful moment with a song. And the song is, O Holy Night. The original writer of this song, his name was Placide de Capot. He was a French poet and a parish priest in preparation for Christmas Eve, asked Placide de Capot if he would write a poem for their Christmas Eve service. Capot said, sure I would. The interesting thing was that Capot was more, more, more known for his poems than he was his church attendance. He was not a Christian at all. He said yes. And in order to write, O Holy Night, Placide de Capot read Luke chapter 2, the text I just talked about. And he placed himself in that moment, in that manger, and these are the words that he came up with, the original words he came up with. And that may be you tonight, more known for not being at church than at church. But like Capote, you are welcomed in to place yourself in Luke chapter 2, to hear and listen to the words of hope. So we're going to sing. Everybody is going to sing. You're invited in to sing a new song this Christmas Eve. Then what we're going to do after the song is we're going to see a great video of a family that our church has been journeying with for two years. And this family is singing a new song of hope and joy and peace and love after a tumultuous last few years being displaced radically. Because of the work of Jesus in their life and the love of this community, they are now here in Kamloops. They attended the gathering at 1 o'clock. You're going to be able to see that video after we sing this amazing song. So we feel like we found home. It's a miracle. It's the, the best, the best the big news is, gift uh, in, in our life, I don't know, for our family. Uh, it's yes. arriving here. It's, uh, yeah. it's like... An answer for all the prayers we yes. have been. God, give us country, give us um, everything when we need, yes. you know. And, and people just care about us so much. It's like feel real like home and thank you. And we're so grateful for the people, for yes. for every person who just like uh, just we prayed. Ask, and oh God blessing more these people. How many people like praying and people just came by drive by and just like meet us like talking yes. to us speaking to us pray for us and uh, I, c I cannot we cannot express how we are thankful for these people yes. Merry Christmas to everyone Merry Christmas to everyone uh, thank you so much